Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. Oh, a good Thursday morning to you and happy Cinco de Mayo. May your days be filled with sombreros and margaritas. I know mine will. Oh, taco salad for lunch, tacos for dinner. Going to do it upright in the Uchino household. SP3 back on the grind, back on the bump here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. How are you doing today, good sir? I'm doing well. I'm here after a pretty solid episode of Dynamite. Not the best one I've seen, but I saw improvement in places. I've been screaming for improvement on in multiple different places. So it's glad to see that. Got to see a uh, great rivalry continue. Got to see my girl Thunder Rosa set up her match for double or nothing. So it was a good night for AEW. Yeah, this is one of those nights where it was kind of, uh, as Dutch Mantel would say, a little bit of a maintenance show, right? Like they were just setting things up along for, uh, you know, for the future. We did get to see some uh, uh, big, uh, big men bumping meat tonight or last night, excuse me, with Wardlow against uh, William Morrissey. Uh, it was nice to see uh, Big Cast back in the ring, even though the fans, at least half of the arena, were asking for Enzo to uh, be there as well. Uh, I thought his reaction to the crowd was was fantastic, playing up that big heel role that he does. Um, Cass is one of these guys that you know you you know his story and you see where he is now in life and you you're rooting for his success. So it was good to see him on uh, AEW last night. But it does appear that we are getting uh, MJF and Wardlow at some point, presumably at Double or Nothing. MJF though says it's going to be under his terms, under his stipulations. We'll find out next week in Long Island. During a contract signing, because those things always go according to plan. We might, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into those uh, here today, what they could possibly be. Also, little nugget for you, if you missed it, this bad boy was unveiled last night. The Owen Hart Foundation men's tournament bracket is out, and I know a lot of people are going to be looking at that bottom left. Samoa Joe versus Joker. Hmm. Hmm. Intriguing, but man, the three matches that we definitely know, I mean, holy shit all starting off with Jeff Hardy and Darby Allen uh, next week uh, on Dynamite. So that's that's something we got to dive into in its entirety. And the man who played Fred and Scooby-Doo is uh, going to be starting up a wrestling promotion in about 18 months. We're going to dive into that. Uh, as well today but first things first got to thank our partners over at bet online the continued number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info find all the latest sports developments including updated odds on the nba and nhl playoffs major league baseball fights even next season's nfl futures hey sp3 did you know john harbaugh was in the arena last night they only showed him about 18 times. Uh, don't forget this weekend as the run to the roses is on at the Kentucky Derby. Bet online, your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. Super easy to get started. Head on over to the website today. Use your mobile device to join and use our promo code believe to receive your 50% welcome bonus. I said 50% welcome bonus B L E A V on your first deposit bet online where the game starts 
And SB3, we will start with the main event last night. Always nice to see the ladies get uh, the, the, the bright spotlight. Main event, undisputed, Ring of Honor Women's Championship on the line. They made a, a great presentation for Deanna Perrazzo, but in the end, it was Mercedes Martinez winning with the Dragon Sleeper. I was a little bit surprised by this. What about you? Speechless. He's... Um, I mean, I really wasn't, although I did get to speak to Deanna Perrazzo uh, this week and, you know, had a great conversation with her. She told me about, you know, her being one of the pillars of the Woman of Honor division, having the first match for Ring of Honor in a decade, women's match in a decade back in 2015, and how this matchup was full circle back in Baltimore, where she had that first women's match in over a decade, and how she pushed for the women to be a part of Ring of Honor. It really would have been special and a great moment for her to unify the titles in her first appearance on AEW dynamite but i kind of saw the writing on the wall you know supercard of honor kind of telegraphed what was going to happen here at supercard of honor you had all the aew talent go over you had, yeah. you, had you had jonathan gresham who signed with ring of honor beat bandito you had um you had mercedes martinez defeat willow nightingale you had wheelie yuda defeat josh woods for the pure championship you had ftr defeat the briscoes for the roh world tag team title so i kind of saw it coming it was kind of telegraphed that mercedes martinez was going to win here I just wanted them to present this championship title match the right way. And they did. They put it in the main event. I wish it would have got a little bit longer time, but yeah. time constraints with television, totally understandable there. But I thought the woman, they had a hard fought match, solid main event. Uh, Deanna Peraza was presented like a star. And I hope this is not the last time we see her in AEW because she has a bunch of dream matches that she's told me she wants to check off her list. And a lot of people that she has unfinished business with on the AEW women's division so i hope this is not the last time but i'm very much not surprised that mercedes martinez got the win here someone who was in ring of honor before there ever was a women's division or was yeah. women's wrestling i like the promo that they did on the road too i wish we would have got that also on this show you know they had they had a great presentation with the road to video for the blackpool combat club early in the show i wish they would have done that for this women's match to make it feel even more important before we got to the main event but as as a whole i thought this was a good presentation and making the title feel important and it felt like a big win for mercedes martinez just real quick on that video for the blackpool combat combat club right uh they put out like this full three minute video out on social media beforehand and then they edited it down uh for what they could show on on dynamite last night and i wish i really wish they would have just gone ahead and shown the whole damn thing because it is it is it is brilliance you didn't you didn't need the whole thing honestly and okay, there's, but you there's, there's already not enough time on AEW dynamite and i would and i said up until like maybe the last 30 minutes this was one of the best paced shows of AEW dynamite because sometimes a little bit too much happens on AEW and if you were going to if they're going to cut time it usually happens with the main event and the main event was already short, short enough, enough and i don't need it to be even more shorter by playing the full combat blackpool combat club video they showed the part they needed to which was william regal's money line about 99 of men would stab somebody if they were given a knife yeah, the yeah, blackpool yeah. combat club leaves a scar on your on your face because the scar lasts longer that's all they really needed yeah um 
look, I'll just say this as, as somebody who has been doing audio editing for uh, going on 13 years now, man, they cut too much out because so much of what really made that really great. If you haven't seen the whole thing was William Regal's pacing of the delivery. And you could tell they were trying to trim it down to 30 or 60 seconds or however much that they actually played. And it just went by too fast and it didn't quite hit home. Now, maybe the non, you know, the, the normal public out there, the people who don't do audio editing for a living wouldn't notice something like that, but I totally did. And it just kind of ruined it for me, but I wish they would have uh, had a little bit more time to play that. But regardless, I did like the presentation of this match last night. I also do wish that they had a little bit more time because these two ladies do work well with one another. And, you know, it, I was surprised by the finish just by the way they, they really presented Deanna Perrazzo. But then I remembered shortly afterwards that, yeah, Mercedes is the one that signed to, to AEW uh, exclusively at this point, other than, you know, her, her indie promotion. So unless we were going to get a Deanna Perrazzo, uh, you know, graphic afterwards, which she still has commitments elsewhere, uh, it does make sense after the fact that Mercedes Martinez would win this. But overall, SP3, we we have nitpicked and we have criticized and, you know, we have just really taken Mr. Tony Khan to task about how this women's division has been booked. And we have argued back and forth over what the prop, proper way to do that is on AEW Dynamite and on Rampage. I really can't complain a whole lot about how the women's division was booked last night on Dynamite. It's pretty much to a T of what you specifically have been asking for out of Tony Khan on dynamite and or rampage and how we had, it's not just match time. It was screen time. And it was how many women were involved in the show because yes, we had uh, a long promo exchange between Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb, which I really enjoyed uh, setting up their match for double or nothing. We had a backstage segment between the good doctor and Jimmy Hader and, and Ruby Soho and Tony Storm to set up uh, their tag team match that's going to be happening on Rampage. They'll be opening up the show uh, this Friday. Is this the early one? This is the early one. So 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. So as you're sitting down for dinner on the East Coast, right, you can turn on your TV on TBS and you can watch uh, the, uh, the, the, the tag team match between those ladies and you. You had all of that get set up. You had the the Julia Hart. Is she going to turn? Is she not going to turn? That segment kind of dragged a little bit. I would have picked up, like to see the pacing pick up there a little bit during that segment. But regardless, a lot of that was centered around Julia Hart last night. When you look at everything that they did and as many women as they were able to get TV time and significant story uh, progression out of them, and then you go ahead and you main event with the Ring of Honor Women's Championship uh, Undisputed Championship match last night. That's how I'd like to see it presented moving forward. I, I really can't complain a whole lot about how the women uh, were booked last night on Dynamite. Yeah, we I saw the improvement last week when they positioned Serena D versus Akara Shida at the top of the second hour. I thought that was very good placement. They had a different type of feel to that whole backstage promo exchange with Ruby Soho, Tony Storm, Britt Baker, and Jamie Hayter last week. And then this week was even more of an improvement. I thought that this promo exchange was even better than last week with Ruby Soho kind of being the star and kind of being the standout of that promo exchange 
range and having the best like one-liners throughout that and really kind of telling telling uh Britt Baker off and saying that she's due a receipt I like the uh the baddies the baddies is I the only yeah. the only stable that is competing with the Blackpool Combat Club for my favorite stable in professional wrestling right now because they just come off so smooth it's so natural their chemistry is on point like you said the Julia Hart stuff I wish wish julia hart would have just turned and joined the and joined the house of black she should have she just hit griff garrison right on the knee no, with the steel well, chair she just got was, it done i i was i was i was actually rooting for her not to swing that chair because she was holding it backward and i'm like i don't oh. care i don't care <laughs> that would have been even that would have been even better show her evilness but i i love how it was laid out i was intrigued at the end of it i just wish she would have turned heel and swung the chair um and then the main you know the promo exchange between um serena deep and thunder rosa i was very happy for that they gave thunder rosa time to set it up with her own promo exchange talking about you know the one competitor before she was La Mara Mara, before she was Thunder Rosa, the one competitor that she always looked up to and was inspired by is the number one contender now and bringing out Serena Deeb. I thought Serena Deeb presented herself very well, talking about she's the best professional, the best female wrestler in the world, and she needs to go to prove that. And it sets up double or nothing, the match that I wanted to see that I've been calling ever since Thunder Rosa became the AEW Women's World Champion. And then the main event was presented well i thought like the only thing i said i would nitpick is that they showed a little portion of the video package that they showed on the road to with these two ladies to set up the main event but other than that i thought the women's division was it was an upgrade over most weeks for aew so tony khan slowly but surely is improving the women's division i just hope that this is not a two-week one-off and we're back to how it was uh, you know a few weeks ago or a month ago i hope that this is a continued progression of how the women are going to be used you know the the timing of this lines up right and the there was some in that exchange between serena deeb and thunder rosa last night they were talking about making AEW women's division the best women's division in all of professional wrestling. Do you think that those Becky Lynch comments had anything to do with the improvements that we've seen over the last couple of weeks? No, because that's how Thunder Rose has been talking since she got the title, really. And in regular interviews, in promos that she's done on TV, you you and the rest of the Becky Lynch fans ain't going to get me to give Becky Lynch credit for any of this. I'm not, because I'm, I'm, sure, I'm, not, I'm not throwing that out there like that. Like, I would ask that question if I wasn't a Becky Lynch homer because... We have, but you are. So it doesn't matter if you, <laughs> if you, if you hypothetically weren't, you are. So I'm not going to give Becky Lynch credit for this. I just want Tony Khan to continue on this path. He just needs to go down this path and continue to use the women the right way, and there will be no complaints. And Becky Lynch's comments will look even more ridiculous than it already was. I'm not looking for credit, SP3. I am just simply wondering. Because we have seen Tony Khan take any kind of criticism whatsoever in the past and then try to ram it down people's throats. I'm wondering, as like what you said, you wanted this to continue. I'm just curious if this is kind of like an immediate response. And then let's say after double or nothing, after we get this, this great women's title match, maybe there's more than one women's match on this card if things aren't going to go back to the way they were. That's all I'm trying to get at. 
I don't really care for Becky Lynch's comments because, like I said, she talked out of two sides of her mouth. She said, she said, oh, they're not as good as me, but my best friend Ruby Soho, who got fired from WWE, so I'm basically saying she's not good enough. She's over there. I want her to be champion, but she's still not good enough. So it was just, yeah, yeah. Becky can talk in character and play by the Vistic Man playbook all she wants. I am totally, I'm totally not even acknowledging that. I just want Tony to continue using the woman. The, there's been two women's matches. There was two women's matches at the last paper. No, three women's matches at Revolution with the pre-show with Chris Statlander and Layla Hirsch. They had Jade Cargill versus Tay Conti, and you had Thunder Rosa versus Burt Baker. If we can get that same amount at Double or Nothing, I'll be happy. But the week-to-week television product, that's what I want to see more of, like we saw tonight. And if Tony Khan was going to respond to Becky Lynch, he would have done it on Twitter. This is Very this true. is more yeah. this is more of the direction of where he's been going since he's heard people like myself, people like Will Washington on Day After Dynamite, people like I don't know if he listens to Jimmy Macaram on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. He's like the most extreme when it comes to criticizing Tony Khan, but I think he's heard the fan base of AEW, the ones that followed him week to week, making these complaints about the women's division, and that's the ones he's listening to. If he was going to respond to Becky Lynch, he would have responded to Becky Lynch like he did Nick Khan or like he did Big Swole more than he would do a subtle reaction because Tony Khan is not very subtle. It's very, very good. Very, very valid point there. Uh, I will say also, um, if you want to talk about evolution of AEW's women's division, some great insight from Maria Canellis uh, in the conversation that I had with her talking about, hey, look, it's getting there. It's progressively getting there. But this is also still a startup and they're still learning how to do everything all at the, the same time. And they're doing a lot of really good things. And it's kind of just kind of calling for patience. I thought her answer on that uh, was really good. That interview is still up on the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast uh, YouTube channel. And anywhere podcasts are available, by the way, our radio app, Spotify, uh, wherever you are listening to us or watching us right now. We really, really appreciate you guys. And we want to thank you, by the way. Right, guys, we, we want to thank you. So if you're out on the West Coast, if you're in Las Vegas, if you are within driving distance of Las Vegas, or if you're planning on going there sometime around, oh, I don't know, July 2nd, why don't you check out Money in the Bank on us, on us. We are giving away two free tickets to Money in the Bank July the 2nd. You will see this on my Twitter, at Rick Uccino. It is the pinned tweet. First thing you have to do to register is retweet that. And then it's very simple. Subscribe and follow the hosts. That's all you got to do. It's up there right now. So make sure to guys to go out there and check that out. Also coming up uh, this uh, Friday on the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast YouTube channel will be the BAM WrestleMania Backlash Prediction Show with Sean Ross at Fightful Select. It's finally, uh, finally happening. The unofficial executive producer SP3 of this show uh, will be joining us. He gives us so much great content to talk about because he breaks, I don't know, 90% uh, of the wrestling news out there. And this sets up a very intriguing matchup of does SRS believe he can beat Sid in trivia challenge. You're looking forward to this one. You two have thrown down before in the past. I mean, I ended his reign of terror on Quizomania because, you know, at least one black person has to end one reign of terror since Booker T let us down at WrestleMania 19. But uh, <laughs> I'm not looking forward to your trivia challenge where you try to screw me over each and every time. Yeah, I do do that. It's going to be interesting. 
We'll see. See what I can come up with this time around. You're two and two. You beat Renee Paquette, man. You're on a two. You're on a two game winning streak. Even with me trying to screw you over. I think you could. I think you got a shot. I genuinely, genuinely think about it this way, by the way. You have never been trailing heading into the final question. You have never been trailing heading into the final question. You should be proud of that. Should absolutely be proud of that. It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. Oh, so, so often I will go to uh, my lovely Twitter followers and those that I follow up on Twitter, you know, during these wrestling shows to try and come up with intriguing questions, topics of conversation. And I definitely saw two separate conversations happening about two stars on AEW Dynamite last night. One being Wardlow, who is massively over, and one being Thunder Rosa, who is also massively over, both doing incredible work right now. And the conversations about both of them were, man, how could WWE pass on Wardlow? Or, man, I can't believe that Thunder Rosa, they wanted her to be a freaking referee uh, in WWE. Don't do the WWE and AEW questions very, very often here on this show. But I decided to wake up today and choose violence, SP3. So, number one here on the uh, five count, if WWE could have a do-over. Remember, they had Wardlow in for a tryout. He told Chris Van Vliet that he crushed that tryout, smashed it with flying colors, and they said, no, we don't want you, kid. And then they had Thunder Rosa in the building and said, we don't want you to be a wrestler. We want you to be a referee. Seeing what they have become now, after both sticking to their guns and chasing their dreams, if WWE could have a do-over, who do you think they would choose, Wardlow or Thunder Rosa? This is quite easy. It would be Wardlow. Wardlow has the look. Wardlow is athletic. Wardlow can actually talk. He can play a you know a powerhouse heel. He can play the the rally him up babyface as we see on AEW every week in this MJF uh, feud where he's showing more and more each and every week and just showing his athleticism, his agility, that standing moonsault off the top rope against W Morrissey was just great. Yeah. And yeah, it would be definitely Warlow because not because you know I don't love Thunder Rosa and don't think that she's a can't-miss star, but this company had a can't-miss star, and they chose to tell her to dress like Mandy Rose and then wanted her to be a trainer. So I don't think they would change much when it comes to Thunder Rosa. I think Thunder Rosa, they would look at her and be like, hey, we want you to wear booty butt cheek shorts, or we want you to still be a referee, or no, don't be a referee, train our woman. They had Serena Deeb there for yeah. a good five, six years, and she was just training and helping out You know the stars like Bailey and uh, Ty Conti, over there in in the performance center instead of her being an actual wrestler and proving herself to be one of the best female technical wrestlers out there like she's doing on AEW they had Tay Conti there for five years where she looked like she wasn't improving and then she goes to AEW and works with Dustin Rhodes and now she's one of the big prospects for AEW so when you have all these examples of women who they just totally missed on, and when you hear the stories of how they're treating the women now, it doesn't bode well for Thunder Rosa, and it doesn't bode well for WWE thinking that they can get a do-over with her. With Wardlow, they can, and I know they, that would be the person they would choose. Yeah. Um, 
For me, it's also Wardlow. But that that being said, you know, you do look at WWE. Somebody else that they had in house at one point was Dr. Britt Baker, and when her contract was up with you know with AEW, there were obviously the rumors that they would have loved to have have brought her over because you know she at one point was like the top star in uh in AEW one of the top draws that they had and so obviously there was interest in bringing over Dr. Britt Baker which would have been another uh do-over type situation so they could have looked at somebody like Thunder Rosa and gone yeah okay we screwed up on that obviously we see the value now we see how popular you are yeah we'd like to have you back in the company maybe we could do something there but when you look at the depth of the women's roster that they have right now, and this is something that Jeremy and I talked about, they're doing a lot of good things over on Monday Night Raw. They got three different women's feuds right now. They featured eight or nine different women on the on the show, much like AEW Dynamite did tonight. Monday Night Raw did the exact same thing, and they've got a lot of great things going on right now, even though none of them are involved in WrestleMania Backlash this weekend, but that's a topic for uh, the Backlash preview show with Sean Rossap. But there's so much depth that they have in the women's division on Raw and on on SmackDown as well that I think if they had a choice between Thunder Rosa and Wardlow, they would clearly go with Wardlow because they are still missing that top level over baby face who can do what that man can do in the ring. Plus, he's got the size, the power. He's a, I call him last week. I call him a five-tool player. He's one of the most impressive overall performers that AEW has. Yeah, I think they would go, we screwed up on that one. Let's try to get him back. And I still think maybe one day they will try to get Wardlow uh, back in the building because I think he fits the mold for exactly what they're missing. And he could, you take Wardlow out of AEW and put him right on SmackDown. All of a sudden, you got a legit credible challenger to Roman Reigns. You just do. Uh, and I think they would definitely want to, to have that one back. But this is the same company who just go through Roman Reigns challengers like once a month. So I don't know if he would be presented in the same way that he is oh. in AEW. I think I think the bigger difference in AEW is that they have someone like Tony Khan, who's a professional wrestling fan, yes. who's the head booker. And he yes. gives these characters and these performers the freedom to kind of be themselves and get over on their own regard. Yes. So I think that has more to do with it with both of these stars where I don't think they would get the same treatment in WWE. Probably not. But I think, it does, again, to answer the question, if WWE had a choice to give them a shot under the umbrella of being a sports entertainer, I think they would definitely choose Wardlow. Uh, Wardlow is going to have his opportunity to get out of his contract with MJF after he uh, did defeat William Morrissey last night. Only one powerbomb, but it was still impressive. Uh, and then he took out, I, I don't know how many indie wrestlers dressed up as security guards. I think I lost count at about 25 of them. Uh, that he just decked, and then one guy who looked like a, a carrot top uh, relative just got power bombed into absolute oblivion onto the outside. Uh, but MJF says, "Look, he's going to give Wardlow his opportunity, but there is going to be stipulations. It is going to be on his terms uh, for most likely double or nothing coming up here at the end of the month. What stipulations might MJF have under his scarf for his match with Wardlow coming up?" SP. I think that they should bring back an Odie, but a goodie. They've been calling him a piggy. And what do you do with uh, children or animals that are bad? If you're someone like MJF, who's an evil, manipulative, dastardly 
son of a bitch, you whip him. So the the whipping, the 10 lashes that he gave to Cody Rhodes, since they can't replay that anymore because Cody is not with the company, <laughs> I think that MJF's going to bring that back and he's going to give Warlow the 10 lashes. I think that we will maybe get another kind of warm-up match or match that he has to get through, maybe even a cage match. I think that they should throw it back to some of the, the stipulations yeah. that he gave for Cody Rhodes originally to get his match with MJF. Give us a cage match with Sean Spears and, and Wardlow, and Wardlow has to have one arm tied behind his back or something like that to give Sean Spears the advantage. I think that they... They, MJF is very good and I love when he brings out his stipulations he did this with Chris Jericho with the trial with the um uh, the trials of Jericho you did this with Cody Rhodes with the stipulations for his match at Revolution I love when he pulls this out so I'm very interested to see what it is but I think for sure the 10 lashes should be one of them I got to think the handcuffs are coming into play here at, at some point I mean that's how you know Wardlow has been uh, paraded down to the ring um you know for the last few weeks for all of his matches and then you know he's paraded right back out in handcuffs i have to feel like that's going to come into play in some way shape or form even if it's something as simple as wardlow has to wrestle mjf with his hands cuffed even if it's just something as simple as that i don't think it's going to be as simple as that but i do think the handcuffs are going to come into play here Maybe something is like a, a three stages of hell type of match where he has to go through Sean Spears or or three other people or something like that before he finally gets his hands on MJF. I definitely think that Wardlow is going to have to go through a lot before he even gets to touch a very fresh MJF. And honestly, that might be the way that they they put MJF over in this match. But at some point, Wardlow has got to get that, that has to be the end game. Wardlow has to get out from under this contract with MJF and become an actual AEW superstar sooner rather than later, I would think. So I would like to see Wardlow win this match, but it is going to be very interesting to see what MJF comes up with uh, in this contract signing next week in Long Island. Also going to be very interested, as over as Wardlow is right now, how the crowd's going to react next week in Long Island because MJF got a hero's welcome and CM Punk got to be the heel for one night in Long Island, and he just shit on the island. How many Islanders references are we going to get? Are they still bad? I don't even know. Do they turn it around? Are they in the playoffs? I ain't sure. Go to bet online if you want to bet on them if they're still playing, I guess. But speaking of CM Punk, he wasn't there last night, but Hangman Adam Page was. And we, we I just mentioned, CM Punk got to play heel one night in Long Island. Well, last night in Baltimore, it damn sure sounded like Hangman Adam Page was taking on that heel mantra, that heel persona, a very aggressive Hangman Adam Page said he's going to embarrass CM Punk in double or nothing. So much so that he pointed at a CM Punk fan and said, look, by the time I'm done with him, you're either going to take that shirt back to the to the concession stands or the the merchandise table and you're going to ask for a refund if you don't burn the damn thing first which was a really good line by the way is this one of those situations where we have a baby face versus baby face so somebody has to play the aggressor role here or number three in the five count are we about to see a hangman adam page full flow full-blown heel turn ahead of double or nothing 
It's definitely the former. Um, anytime AEW has done babyface versus babyface, they have one of the babyfaces lean heel. And I think that it was a very smart choice to make it Hangman Adam Page. They went against uh, the the wave that would have happened. The fans were already going to favor CM Punk because they're into this whole comeback story being completed by him winning the AEW World Championship. They were already going to favor him, especially in Las Vegas. So they went against the wave and they had Hangman Adam Page lean into it. And this kind of is just perfect in the character evolution that we've seen with Hangman Adam Page. The Hangman Adam Page that challenged Kenny Omega back at Full Gear is not the Hangman Adam Page that we see now. He was very, you know, he was still, he gained his confidence by his whole, you know, uh, departure, his hiatus, and then he returned to win the casino uh, ladder match to gain the opportunity. And he he showed more confidence in that cowboy shit promo. And then he had a little bit more confidence as it went into full gear. But that victory was the first like notch to build a wall of confidence. And then he built another wall when he finally overcame uh, Brian Danielson. He built another wall when he beat Lance Archer. Built another wall when he beat Adam Cole at Revolution. And then we started seeing more of the confidence when he challenged Adam Cole to the rematch and told him that to get his affairs in order before the Texas death match. And now we're seeing a full on, very cocky mode. See, uh, hangman Adam Page, who is saying that he's going to embarrass CM Punk. We're not going to get an all time classic. We're not going to get the handshake. We're not going to get the masturbatory Bret Hart tribute match, which was a great line. And Dax Harwood, even in even replied to him and said that he wants to beat the crap out of out of hangman out of page for even saying Bret Hart's name in vain. This is the this is great stuff by Hangman Adam Page, and it was a very smart move. But he's leaning heel. He's not going to do a full heel turn. This is similar to what CM Punk did against Eddie Kingston back at Full Gear. He leaned heel by talking down to Eddie Kingston. I thought that he was going to do that once again against Hangman Adam Page, but. I love when AEW flips the scripts on something that I'm expecting and then gives me something that's even better. And I felt like yeah. this promo was one of those examples. Yeah. It, it, so often, like, you'll see Vince who say, ah, that's too predictable. So let's go in this other direction. And it ends up being a, a, a terrible freaking decision when you should have just gone because predictable is not bad, especially if it's the right decision. And so, so often they decide to, to go the opposite way and, and choose the wrong decision just for the sake of being different. This is one of those situations where I think it would in the easy route to have CM Punk go and be that aggressor. But, you know, if you go back to what Punk said last week, I mean, he, we, we honestly, we should have seen this coming the way that he talked to the crowd afterwards where he said, look, I don't know if I'm going to win this match. I'm back. I know I can still hang. I know I can still go. Do I have what it takes to beat Hangman Adam Page? I don't know, but I'm going to give it everything that I got. And Hangman Adam Page heard what he said while he was home with his COVID snot. And then he comes back and he's like, oh, now that I got my sense of smell back, you know what I smell? Blood in the water. That's what I got. You gave me a little bit of a window. You're not sure that you can beat me? Guess what? My confidence is at an all-time high, and I'm going to whoop your ass all you needed to give me was a little shred of doubt and i got you now and yes i agree with you i think that's what hangman adam page is going to do he's going to lean into that he's going to lean into that aggressor role 
We've seen AEW do this. We saw the Street Profits do this when they were kind of in that tweener position between uh, Alpha Academy and RK Bro heading into WrestleMania. This is something that happens uh, uh, all the time. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to lean towards that one as well. I would, man, it would be a bold ass decision to try to turn hangman Adam page heel though. But I don't know if you want to do that. I mean, he still is one of your most over people, but it would be a bold decision for sure to try it. I don't think the street prophets was a good example. Cause I don't know what their characters are anymore because they tease being heels again when they played the Usos music against RK bro. And then the next week they were back to being the spokespersons and talking about other stuff on Monday night raw. I think a better example is your girl, Becky Lynch, when she versed Oscar at raw rumble 2019. And she leaned into being the heel and the aggressor against Oscar, who's the more popular and on the rise baby face so yeah i think that hangman adam page is smart to go that way and you're right it would be a bold and also a stupid move to turn <laughs> hangman adam page heel this you just have him lean heel and then coming out of this maybe you can go in that direction if you know you feel like there's a lot on the baby face side and you want to go in a different direction with the character but i think that he still has a lot of fire and the fans are still behind him in a way that he can continue being a babyface coming out of that. And I'm begging, hoping, and praying WWE gives Roddy Strong his release papers that he's been requesting so we can get a reformed, undisputed elite of Roddy Strong, Adam Cole, and Red Dragon. They turn on the Young Bucks, lay out the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks come back with a returning Kenny Omega, and they yeah. need one more member to go against the Undisputed Elite, and they rejoin with Hangman Adam Page so we can have OG Elite versus Undisputed Elite in Blood and Guts this summer. I'm hoping and praying for that. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm going to hold out hope until Roddy gets his release papers. Yeah, I mean, this is something that Jeremy and I talked about on the show. Like, while you were gone on Monday, because that's the news broke that, you know, Roddy had requested his release. And it's like, they don't have any justification for hanging on to the man, right? Like none whatsoever. You, you could sit here and say, oh, well, we have creative plans for him. I'm like, okay, but you had creative plans for Dexter Loomis and Malcolm Bivens and, and Persia Parada, who have been heavily featured on your show for the last several weeks. And you cut them with no problems. Dave Meltzer says more NXT cuts are on the way. I'd rather you let go somebody like a Roddy Strong who doesn't want to be there than cut somebody who does uh, want to be there. So I do hope that Roderick Strong does get his walking papers because, yes, I also want uh, to see exactly what you laid out actually play out. As far as Hangman turning heel now, I think the fans are going to are going to dictate this. I would not be surprised if Tony Khan has has his options open. And if the fans decide that they are going to fully turn on Hangman Page at the end of this program with CM Punk, you leave that door out open and you can see where you can go from there. A lot of options here. We showed you the bracket earlier. A lot of options for the Owen Hart Memorial Men's Bracket, which is open here. We got Ray Fenix and Kyle O'Reilly in the first round. We get Jeff Hardy and Darby Allen next week. Adam Cole and Dax Harwood, right? And then the really intriguing Samoa Joe versus claudio samoa joe versus pick anybody literally could be somebody in the company it could be somebody not within the company that's an intriguing matchup because if you do bring in somebody like a claudio to face 
Uh, by the way, that's uh, Cesaro, for those of you who don't know. But if you bring somebody like that in SP3, man, I don't know how you book that damn thing unless you're having, you know, Jay Lethal cost Samoa Joe the matchup. I definitely see some shenanigans here, but lots of intrigue, like I said, in this bracket. Who you got? There's a lot of different ways they could go here. I was really hoping for an Adam Cole versus Darby Allen finals, but they're on the same side of the bracket. Um, so I'm going to go with my original thought, which was the two biggest names in this tournament going at each other. So I'll go with Samoa Joe versus Adam Cole. And, w and AEW gives us the match that WWE didn't pull the trigger on when Samoa Joe returned to wrestling at TakeOver 36. They went with Samoa Joe versus Karrion Cross, while Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly. So I think they are going to give us that matchup and we get Samoa Joe versus Adam Cole. Um, and Adam Cole wins the whole Owen Hart men's tournament. That's, that's what I think we're going to get. But I can't wait for Adam Cole versus Darby Allen. Can't wait for next week with Jeff Hardy and Darby Allen. That's going to be yeah. a banger. Ray Phoenix versus Kyle Riley is very interesting. I think they can go either way on that one. Um, but I think Kyle Riley will probably win that one. And I think the Joker will be someone connected to the Hart family. And I'm going to go with Davey Boy Smith Jr. coming that's in good. for a one-off to versus Samoa Joe and probably losing to Samoa Joe. Yeah, that would that would that would be cool. That that's actually a really good call about that. I mean, I I know the match. Like, I want to see I want to see Ray Fenix versus Darby Allen, but I don't think either one of them make it to the finals. Um, man, Darby Allen versus Jeff Hardy. I mean, th these are hard, right? Like, I I don't know who who progresses out of that one. Maybe Darby, uh, and goes one on one with Adam Cole. But there's also part of me that wants to see that that Dax Harwood Cinderella run to, to the finals. Right. But him facing Adam Cole, who is the overwhelming favorite in this. I don't see that very likely at all. Um, I, I would root for the hell for him to, to come out, not only make the Cinderella run, but win the damn thing. A Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole final, uh, honestly really intrigues me as well in this. Uh, I do think it's going to come down to Samoa Joe and Adam Cole. I'm going to go in the opposite direction, though. I think Samoa Joe wins this. I think so. I, I think Samoa Joe uh, will take this uh, Owen Hart uh, tournament. I think he has been booked very well since he has come back. He is back to being this unstoppable badass. Do you know how much badassery is required to look threatening in a polo SP3? Do you know how much le the level of sheer badassery it takes to be intimidating? Wearing a golf shirt. Samoa Joe just pulls it off, man. Uh, man, it's tough, but unless there's some shenanigans that causes Samoa Joe to get counted out or disqualified or some BS that AEW typically does not do, I'm going to go with Samoa Joe in this one. But yeah, probably, I, I think we're same on the finals. It's Adam Cole. It's Samoa Joe. Although there's a great story, like I said, you could tell with O'Reilly and Adam Cole be interesting how they would get there speaking of interesting freddie prince jr made some headlines today if you're wondering why we're talking about fred from scooby-doo or ray from i still know what you did last summer and i know what you did last summer hey if you're a 90s kid man whew, man she's all that she's all that was he and he's all that they did a reboot of that uh, right? no, no, no he wasn't i don't yeah. think so i didn't watch it 
<laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't watch it yet either. I'm trying. Uh, Fever Pitch. Uh, that that's actually a really good uh, movie. Matthew Matthew Lillard was great in that movie as well. Uh, if we could get Matthew Lillard involved with these plans, I would be all for that. I'm a big Matthew Lillard guy. But anyway, um, Jennifer Love Hewitt. That's the one I was trying to think of. I was actually a really much bigger bigger fan of her uh, in all of these Freddie Prince Juniors. But still, I've always liked Freddie Prince Junior. He's a big wrestling fan. He worked for WWE. If you did not know that, he was in the writers' room. Hell, he was one of the guys who led the charge. That got Jeff Hardy his big WWE championship win. Uh, he has told that story before uh, on his podcast and uh, in interviews. And he's he's been hinting at this. He's been talking about it. And today he kind of laid out his plans that he is set to start his own wrestling promotion within the next 18 months. And the bullet points here is that he's got uh, money for a three-year plan. So he's already planning things three years out uh, in advance. He's got storylines based in reality, all right? Uh, men and women are going to be given equal time on this. I know there's a lot of people who love that. Um, he wants to own the space that the show is filmed in. He wants the Screen Actors Guild uh, to be involved with this. He does not have a TV contract yet, uh, but he's got a lot of things laid out. He also says he does not want to be the booker, all right? He knows his lane. He does not want to be the guy who makes the decisions, but he definitely wants to help. Uh, with character development and storylines, uh, which is something that I think obviously fits his wheelhouse. So, SB3, if and when this does get off the ground, is this something that you're going to watch? Are you going to give Freddie Prince Jr.'s wrestling promotion a chance here? Man, I've watched Lucha Underground. I've watched Wow Women of Wrestling. I've, I've watched all of these promotions. Of course I'm going to be watching it. I watch all of professional wrestling. That was kind of my thing and my niche in this whole wrestling community of wrestling podcasters and YouTubers. Do you watch True Hill? He, you know, we cover it all. If it happens in AAA, we talk about it. We previewed Triple Mania last week. We'll probably talk about the Triple Mania show on True Hill Heat this week. We talk about GCW. We talk about Warrior Wrestling. So Oh, of course, I'm going to be watching it. And I like I like Freddie Prince Jr. and the stuff that he's been able to do with writing for WWE and the, you know, the amount of superstars and wrestlers that have come to him for advice and the knowledge that he has. He's a bona fide wrestling fan. And it's similar to Tony Khan. Tony yeah. Khan is a wrestling fan. And the only issue and problem that people have saw with him is that he kind of lets his money get to his head and he kind of has the ego and, you know, him taking control of the booking caused some issues with Cody Rhodes. A lot of that stuff outside of, you know, not giving the women enough time is a, a lot of the major issues people have with Tony Khan. And it seems like Freddie Prince won't have those similar issues. So I'm going to give this a chance. I'm willing to see what he has uh, for it and what he has in mind. So it should be interesting. It sounds more akin to what we get with NWA where, um, where it was, where NWA was before for the pandemic where it was in one central place they filmed in like a studio a studio kind of vibe taking it back to like the 80s and stuff so it seems like he's going to be on that similar path and those you know the before the pandemic nwa power was one of my favorite shows because it was so unique in the way it was presented and if freddie prince jr is going to give us something more akin to that or more akin to maybe lucha underground and stuff like that i'm all for it the, the thing that makes me excited about this, right, and it, it's something that not a lot of people have, and it's self-awareness. And he's already talked about he knows what his, his strengths are, and he knows where his weaknesses are, 
and he's going to stay in his lane. And that's why he doesn't want to be the booker. He doesn't want to make the decision. He's, you know what he sounds like? He sounds like a good owner because a good owner, whether it's of a baseball team or a football team, they don't get in the way of the decisions. They don't act like they're the smartest person in the room. They come in there, they hire baseball or football or wrestling people and then trust those people to make the proper decisions that they have been hired to make. So he will put the best people and he's obviously connected, worked for years with WWE. He's ingrained into the wrestling scene. Uh, he is somebody that is respected. And here's the other thing. There's still a lot of high profile free agents out there that he could sign up and he could work with and he could work with other promotions. So yeah, I, I, I like what he's selling so far. I don't have the time to watch everything that, that, that you watch. I've been very, very open about that. Um, I try to catch as much as I can. So it, you, you really got to kind of grab me if you want me to, to be able to watch it because my bills are paid by me covering WWE and AEW for the most part. That's where I got to hang my hat because this is not my full-time gig. I still have a 40 to 50 hour work job, normal BS. That's not covering professional wrestling. So I only have so much time. But Freddie Prince Jr. might just be able to, to suck me in and give a little bit more of my time to watch this. I like what I'm hearing. Maybe I'll ask this question again in 18 months when this thing is, is actually uh, kicking off the ground. And real quick, because I know everybody was talking about it, we got one for the road. Uh, Sean Rossap, who again will be with us this Friday at 7 a.m. for our big WrestleMania Backlash uh, preview show and prediction show all that huge six match card that we're going to break down might set a record for the uh, shortest prediction show that we've ever had. Uh, came out with a report yesterday that already before the first show has even aired, I believe it's coming up this fall. You brought up. Wow. Tessa Blanchard, who was the anchor for good and worst terms of, 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 of of wow right i think that's the best way she was one of the the cornerstones she was like the big marquee star remember that big nuclear shirt that they put out this was supposed to be her comeback this was supposed to be her rec this they chose her as their her this her reclamation project right like this was supposed to put her back on good footing after she was on top of the world with impact wrestling as, as the, as the impact world champion. And then some shit came out and we all know what that shit was. And I'm sure SP three has plenty that he has said. It could still say about it. Apparently she's already had a falling out with the company. And many believe that she is no longer there before the first episode even airs apparently some stuff went down in promo class uh where she really like laid into some people disrespectful things were said backstage just a lot of things that aren't that hard to believe and you know i think people see the talent of of tessa blanchard and go this is a this is a damn shame but at the same time when you're constantly making your bed, you got to lie in it. And this kind of feels like the end of the line for her. If this report from Sean Rossap is, is true on this one. And he usually don't miss. 
I mean, this is one of the most unsurprising reports of the year for me because, I mean, this is the best news possible, though, for WOW, because I'm always, I want to give Women of Wrestling any promotion that is fully devoted to women's wrestling. Yes. I want to give them a chance. And you got someone like Jeannie Buss, who I've always been a fan of. I'm a lifetime Lakers fan. I've been watching Winning Winning Time, seeing her beginnings with the Laker organization. And she's associated with Wild Women of Wrestling. And I always want to support anything that my Laker, my Laker family is involved in. You got AJ Lee making AJ Mendez making her return to professional wrestling in a kind of a manager, managerial executive producer type of way. I always want to give her a chance because she's one of my all time favorites as well. But then you had Tessa Blanchard and it was just like, no, not going to give y'all a chance because y'all brought off the nuclear shirt. Y'all are trying to take advantage of all the real heat that she has for her, the, her bad attitude the disrespectful things she said to La Rosa Negra back in a couple of years back that came out before she won the Impact World Championship, the way she treated Impact, who was willing to work with her, just wanted her to do a couple of promos and send it from Mexico to them to promote a world title match, but she couldn't even be bothered to do that type of stuff. So she's burned a bridge with Impact Wrestling. She's so nuclear heat that AEW doesn't want to give her a try despite some small section of fans who want to cheer her name at certain events and whatnot she's burned her bridge with wwe with her attitude during the first may young classic and or falling out with ricochet when they went out so she's burned her bridges with three of the big promotions in the united states of course the whole incident with la rosa negra happened in japan so she's probably burned her bridge with stardom She's burned a bridge with AAA, I heard, as well. So it's just like, it's like, what are you going to do? What do you, you really, you, you better hope you don't, you haven't burned a bridge with Freddie Prince Jr. And that Freddie <laughs> Prince Jr. is going to give you an opportunity. Because Tessa Blanchard, I just hope that she finds God, that she can, she can accept the fact that she's made some mistakes in her wrestling career and she could take responsibility and accountability for her actions and the way she's burned the bridge with so many different people and organizations. And maybe people will be willing to give her a fourth or fifth chance because this is not even a second or third chance at this point. It's a fourth or fifth chance at this point, but. I don't see it happening. Some people are just not good people. And everything that we've heard about Tessa kind of says that she's in that bracket. Yeah, there, there's I, I always root for people to be the best versions of themselves. And I, I'd like to sit here and say, like, she's still young and she is. She's 26. 26 ain't 21, 22, right? Like you do dumb shit in your early 20s and you're like, OK, maybe you get a little bit down the line you learn you know what you did was wrong and you can kind of change things up once you start getting 26 27 28 you're kind of are who you are at that point i mean i think people do their most development from you know adolescence and teenager and immature to growing up into an adult in their early 20s there is a huge jump from 21 to 23 all right as far as maturity is goes it was for me damn sure was for me so there's part of me like when this stuff is coming out i'm sitting here going okay 
maybe there's still hope down the line that she can grow up, realize what she did, be a better person, change for the better, and then get her opportunity and, and turn her career in the right direction. Right now, her career needs to be the last damn thing on her mind because she has she has torched, not just burnt, torched every damn bridge that there is in this freaking industry. And I think even Sean Rossap said in his report, like one person involved with WoW said yeah, she might need to go to Mexico. That might be like the only place that ha- that's left where she could find work at this point. So she needs to work on her. She needs to self-assess again if this report uh, does come out to be true. But everything that we've heard and have led to believe, as far as Tessa Blanchard is concerned, it's not that hard to believe. To be completely honest with you, um, yeah, you try to root for the best for people, but sometimes it just isn't going to work out with everybody. We do appreciate everybody tuning in to all fifty-six minutes of this half-hour podcast. We ain't done this week. Seven a.m. tomorrow. Sean Ross app is going to join us for our big WrestleMania backlash predictions show Fightful select. Looking forward to that. Oh, also, by the way, don't know what time exactly yet, but this is going to drop exclusive interview with Drew McIntyre ahead of uh, WrestleMania backlash uh, this weekend. That'll be coming up. Uh, I believe sometime tomorrow evening that is going to drop here on uh, believe in uh, pro wrestling or excuse me, not tomorrow evening this evening. This evening, I'm getting my days all confused. I don't know. Follow me on Twitter. I'll let you know when the damn thing's coming out. All right, at Ricky Chino. By the way, check out my pinned tweet. Look for this. Register to win tickets. Money in the bank. Like, share, subscribe. We appreciate y'all. We'll talk to you tomorrow. WrestleMania Backlash weekend. Everybody get hyped. SP3 is hyped for this big six-match card. You've been listening to the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.